Welcome to Trying Days the Journey, conversations with publisher Chris Milligan. I am Bruce DeTorris. With us is Al Dog, whose new Trying Day book is The Charter, a millennial journey out of hip-hop hypnosis, or as Al likes to call it, the book of the year. And his website is aldoghour.com. That's A-L-D-A-W-G-H-O-U-R.com. Al and Chris, it's great to be with you both. I'm happy to be here, guys. Well, thank you very much, Alan, for coming on. And, you know, this uh, podcast is called The Journey because, uh, you know, we all get born and uh, go to school and go over, uh, other places and grow up and sometimes learn that uh, the world is a little bit different than, than what we were taught. You know, you, you first came at me with a, uh, a, a nonfiction book about hip hop. And yep. uh, then you find you turned it into a novel and and uh, and actually have a little bit different take uh, mm -hmm. because basically you were talking about uh, conspiracies. These guys are getting killed and different things. Well, just explain your journey, how you got to Trine Day and your book, The Charter. Okay, so growing up, I was a huge hip hop fan. I think. I was 10 years old when the Marshall Mathers LP came out, which was Eminem's most prolific work in my view. So it had a huge impact on me. My father was a hip hop fan as well. He was a big fan of Dr. Dre, Eminem, Snoop Dogg. You know, what I loved about it was the linguistic competition these guys were involved in. That part of it was so, so fun to me. And these guys are partially comedians as well. When you look at Eminem, he's based, well, his old stuff, he was basically a comedian. You know, Lil Wayne was, and still is essentially a comedian. Kanye is basically a comedian as well. So I, I, I loved it growing up, up until my early 20s, you know, to mid 20s. And after a while, you know, with all these deaths that occur, not just in hip hop, but in the music industry in general, it's sort of, outrageous at a certain point and you start to ask questions and you start to do some research. So when I was first working on this book, I was doing research into different deaths within the hip hop industry, this industry I was a huge fan of and all these young men dying at the height of their careers. So I was sort of fascinated by that. And I kept on researching after every tragic death, which seemed to happen every three or four months, just about there was a big one especially between 2017, 2018, and 2021. I'm finding similar patterns. As I kept on diving deep into these dark rabbit holes, I realized basically all media within the last 100 years has been sort of um, used to alchemically engineer the populace to where we are at today, in my view. So from there, once I started to make these hard realizations, even my sacred cow, which was hip-hop music for much of my life, once that sacred cow is metaphorically slaughtered, I realized that it's essentially a form of multi-generational hypnosis, especially with this recent rendition of hip-hop within the last 10 to 20 years. And it's lasted 20 years, 20, almost 30 years at this point. I realized I couldn't keep going down these dark rabbit holes anymore because it just wasn't as fascinating. It wasn't as interesting as it used to be. And from that point, I realized that the best approach that will benefit people who are ready to read this hilarious book, 
the best approach is actually comedy and is actually satire and is actually to make fun of this whole thing because I personally went from being a huge fan to not a fan at all anymore. Um, I mean, I'll still listen to a nostalgic track every once in a while and, you know, I'll hear something all, you know, at the gym or at the bank or at the store, but it, it's just not the same as it used to be. I see people, especially young people, are under what I call hip hop hypnosis in this sort of trance that I used to be in where you're thinking these absolutely outrageous themes, lyrics repeated uh, on these tribalistic beats that tap into your own instincts you think that it's this organic, awesome thing when in reality, it's probably a weapon against us. Yeah, well, you know, I a uh, bit, bit older. I, I not listened a lot to uh, hip hop. I, uh, uh, you know, grew up in uh, rock and roll. And, and I found I started a record store when I was uh, 18. And, and I... Uh, uh, went, I really liked the, the blues and, and jazz and went very, very much deep into that. And when actually when it started to get oh, more electric and uh, whatnot, like I, I wasn't a big fan of uh, Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and those those people. I was more into uh, traditional. And then also, I have to admit, I uh, uh, helped put on uh, Grateful Dead dances and, and you know, uh, I've been, uh, you know, confronted. People tell me, well, the CIA uh, did the Grateful Dead and everything like that. And, well, you know, I, I, they might have uh, tried to do something. Uh, I, I actually, uh, because I've been reading conspiracy stuff for a long time, and and uh, uh, I knew Kesey, and I talked to him about it, because, you know, there's stuff out there that says Kesey was an FBI agent, and Garcia was an FBI agent, and blah, 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 and, you know, he said, well, you know, uh, we hijacked it. When I look at, at it, you know, because, I mean, I I, I was there and, and went through it, was that, yeah, they may have tried to do something, but, you know, like with LSD, you can, oh, disrupt, but you, you can't control things like like uh, with a drug like heroin, it's a much easier uh, control mechanism. And it, it's it's like the uh, mad scientist, you know, uh, was in the lab trying to cook this up and the experiment, uh, you know, got out of the lab and went way past whatever they thought uh, could happen. And basically we created a counterculture, okay? Um, and uh, because there was there is this uh i call them the people in the shadows okay and they have been playing a very long game and you know we have very first our first uh old line of defense uh is is the dialectic i call it the dark hallway okay you walk down a dark hallway you might bump into one side and after a while you might bump into the other side well you know this dialectic I, I say some things that I know are true about um, drugs, uh, secret societies, and intelligence agencies. Okay, and then I find somebody that's a uh, that I know is a spook. Okay, he says stuff just a little bit more outrageous. He 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 puts some lies into uh, the reality, and and so it's basically by controlling the extremes, you control the middle. Okay, so this first mm -hmm. fail safe device uh, that is out there uh, can be manipulated. The next fail safe device that all of us have together as a 
group of people living on a planet going through space, okay, is this cycle of generations. And there's a very good book called uh, Generations. Uh, its subtitle is The History of America's Future. And in there, they show where you basically you have an idealistic generation. Uh, then you have a reactive generation. Okay. Then you have a civics generation that, that kind of takes those together. And then you have an adaptive generation. And then you start it all, all over again with another idealistic generation. And these move history uh, in, in the future. And, and in this book, they show how the idealistic generation of the 1860s, okay, the kids that were teens and preteens, okay, um, they didn't cohere as a generation. Okay, some of them went and joined the generation after, some of them joined the generation before, some of them just went out in the woods and did weird stuff. And what that did, it, it made us a, a four-cycle uh, engine just running on three cycles, and it made us our, 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 more susceptible to these people in the shadows and their ability uh, to, to influence us. You know, it's a, a long story, but it has to do with the Spanish-American War and, and, and making opium illegal. Um, uh, again, because it had been been uh, legal after the first opium or second opium war, and also uh, started, you know, making uh, cocaine and 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 uh, uh, marijuana. Uh, you had the Sh uh, Shanghai and the Hague Convention that that started to make those prohibitions. Okay, so they targeted the people that were teens and preteens in the 1960s. Okay, mm -hmm. they didn't want this generation to cohere again. So again, they could influence it very strong from the shadows. So this cycle of generations, for, for want of a better word, has more mass, okay, and is more intelligence. Why did the, the kids in the 1860s not cohere? There was a death of a president, war, and opium. So we saw that there was a death of a president, there was war, and there was these drugs, okay? So we basically said something's going on here, jumped to, jumped aside and created this counterculture with basically uh, hippies with a joint being smoked around a circle with a little bit of LSD thrown in. Because like I said, with LSD, you, you really can't control things. You can disrupt them, but you can't control them. Okay. And, and then what came out of the hippies? Okay. Uh, the, the History Channel did a big... Uh, a special, and they said what came out of the hippies was the personal computer and the internet. Okay, and and how I see it is those are the tools that all of us are using to fight the corruption of the people that are using secrecy to lie, cheat, and steal. Okay, and 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 you know uh, move us into little camps to have us fighting each other and and, and all of this. You know, one thing that you talk about in in in, in Charter is the use of the drugs that you know especially this this gangster rap which is the most pernicious uh type of hip-hop as as far as i'm concerned and i and i'll have to admit i don't know a lot about it i i don't listen to it you know but you know you have these people you know drinking lean and and all this you know crazy i don't know drugs that that do lead you more into a uh being very very much influenced when I first, you know, became a fan of hip hop, a huge fan, they would talk about smoking weed, you know, drinking some other things, whatever. But then over time, through gangster rap, the gangsters would 
talk about selling drugs from sort of an entrepreneurial angle, right? But then over time with, you know, the M&Ms, the Lil Wayne's and others, they started explicitly talking about drug use and drug abuse, essentially. So when you talk about opiates, it's gotten so absurd, Chris, that it would blow your mind. For example, there's this rapper Future, okay? He has this one song and the chorus is Molly Percocet, Molly Percocet. Percocet being, you know, a prescription painkiller, an opiate. And this is a, these are hugely popular songs that are listened to and repeated over and over by millions and millions of people. The new song is Drinking Dope Turned Me Into a Superhero. Over and over, just drinking dope turned me into a superhero. Absolutely ludicrous. And we're talking about rappers that will essentially advertise specific pharmaceuticals, everything from Xanax to, uh, like I mentioned, Percocet, they're advertised. And one of my favorite Trine Day books is Drugs as Weapons Ag Against Us by uh, John L. Potash, right? Mm -hmm. That particular book is fantastic because when I read it, it made me realize that a lot of these guys are often controlled through their management, through their agents, but they're used as basically mascots to push and normalize everything from you know marijuana to prescription drug use. Right. Well, you know, I I, I think that that basically prohibitions don't work. It's been shown over and over again. Uh, they put a prohibition in place directly because then they can sell plants. Okay, uh, for more than gold. Uh, many times. And, you know, it was very interesting uh, being a, a young hippie and, and whatnot, uh, because basically, you know, for, for the first five years, there was no alcohol really around a lot and, and it, hardly at all. You, you, you never saw it. Okay. You, you smoke some pot and then there was LSD. I mean, and we, and amphetamine Annie, you know, we were very much against speed and, and not really into uh, uh, the opiates. And then like uh, the cocaine showed up. When the cocaine showed up, that's really when the alcohol started to show up and, and it really started to uh, change the scene, you might say, from a little bit. And then also every day we all grow older. Right. You know, mm -hmm. so 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 things change. And, you know, I'm, I'm very glad to 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 publish this book and, and to get this, you know, information and the and these these thoughts out there you know, so that people can understand uh, what we're dealing with. What I hope to do with this book is essentially heal people through humor. Because when I told people about this book, you know, people would respond to me and say, oh, I have a cousin that's trying to be a rapper. I have a nephew that's trying to be a rapper. A lot of the youth are convinced that these, these artists that are essentially like puppets being dangled in front of people are the only ones who are living virtuous lives. You know, there's a uh, long march of history. Okay, um, you have you have uh, cycles and 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 all kinds of things like that. Uh, you know, we can have societies that that oh, you have a uh, what a clan leader or something like that tells you what to do. Or you know, I mean, we've had uh, you know religions that have popes, and you're supposed to listen to the pope. Uh, you have kings; the kings uh, tell you what to do. And, and here in the United States of America, okay, you know, they were trying something uh, new. They, they, you know, some of the founding fathers, uh, you know, wanted to get rid of, uh, you know, the ability to uh, own, own people, mm -hmm. uh, slavery. They weren't able to do it. 
because there was resistance, okay? And so, you know, we're trying to work towards a, a better world for our children, you know, a more perfect union, you know, where we recognize that we live on one ball that's that's going through space, and we're all related. We, we may look different, but we're all related, okay? And so we need to learn how to get along together. We're, we're all tired of, of, of war and having to deal with all the quote-unquote BS. How, how, do we, I mean, how do we make a better future? Okay, that's an interesting question. I think the best way to make a better future for the United States is for people to get in touch with nature, to build up a resistance towards bullshit, whether it's something like a war that the populace isn't interested in, or whether it's a media agenda. For a lot of people, that's difficult because they're busy. You know, we're basically economically enslaved. You got to work. You got you got to pay the bills. So one form of slavery has ended, but others are currently here. Whether it's addiction slavery or whether it's um, mental slavery, which I think is probably the biggest issue we have. Most of our our struggles are actually internal. We got to recognize where we're at and who we are as human beings. Uh, some would say that human beings might even be in a firmament. We don't even know for traveling through space because NASA's getting, what, $58 million a day? And we got all these problems here at home. What's going on with that? So I think instead of looking out towards the universe, I think we need to look inward towards the universe well, and connect with other like minds. You know, we've got people that are using falsehoods that mm -hmm. are using lies to create false narratives and, and are using, you know, scientific means of propaganda and psychological warfare to, to divide us, uh, getting us into little camps, fighting each other. You know, that's criminal. What these people are doing, you know, uh, for, for power. When I first started talking about this, people would say, Oh, well, these uh, rich people, you know, these secret societies, one, oh, they're, they're, they're just after money. They've already got all the money they want. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's, it's about control. And I, and I think some of the, the conversation needs to go in, into what is money. Okay. Mm -hmm. it, 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 is money actually, you know, based on, on a gold thing? No, it's, it, it, it's not. And that's why, you know, I like the, the talk about universal uh, basic income, give people you know, the wherewithal to live on this planet and just think of the creativity uh, that these people would be doing instead of having to scratch and keep their head down uh, so that the people up there don't stomp on them. I mean, we have a power structure right now that is, you know, it's more like a pyramid. Okay. I I'd like to see one that's more like a circle. We got to figure out who is here now. Who are we as a people? What is our true past? What did these excellent founding fathers have to say? Yeah, we, we've got a, a lot of things to learn from lots of different cultures. We've got things mm -hmm. to learn from, from the black culture, from the Indian culture, from the Asian culture, uh, from the white culture. Uh, you know, the, the Indians, you know, look at seven generations. You know, we should be looking seven generations down the line. Bruce, do you, do you have any thoughts or, or questions for Alan? Please describe the uh, alchemical intent 
of hip hop, gangster rap? I would say for the last 10 years, it's been all out garbage. Um, and it's, it's taken me some time to realize that. And the one recommendation I would have for people as a former huge hip hop fan is to simply take a couple weeks off because the average listener is, you know, listening to this stuff with their headphones on all day in their car, listening to this absurdity all day. It becomes normalized for them. Take a week off. Try to see what happens when you start to try to listen again. What happened with me is I took a couple of weeks off and I just couldn't listen to it again. Artists I used to love, I just can't tolerate anymore. To, to rescue people from what? What is the deleterious effect of this alchemical intent? The normalization of completely absurd behavior, whether it's drug use, whether it's viewing your fellow man as something that should be disposed of, yeah. you know, gun violence or any sort of, sort of gang violence. I think that's absurd. You know, how they talk about you know, women, it's just so over it's, the top absurd. It's taken generations for it to reach this level, you know? What will people find on aldoghour.com, D-A-W-G? They'll find all my social media links, whether it's YouTube, Telegram, Instagram, uh, my Substack. I got my own podcast. I'm on season three. I got, you know, a YouTube channel with 9,000 subscribers. You can find that at aldoghour.com. What about, you know, one of your, your themes, uh, you talk about sacrifice because all these rappers are keep, they keep dying and you got to kill off a rapper so that you get moved up in the chain or something like that. What What's your mm -hmm. thoughts about that? These guys are dying huge names every three to four months. These guys have millions of fans. And in the beginning of the book, I list all of the major deaths that occurred between 2017 and 2022. And there's like 20, 25 names. I went through a period of thinking, oh, these are all sacrifice rituals. Okay. So I, I dove into that line of thinking. Then I thought to myself, maybe these guys are just living absolutely ludicrous lifestyles and they overdose on drugs. A lot of these guys are in gang feuds and they might actually kill people and then later brag about it in a hit song. Could they be sacrifice rituals? Who knows? Are there people who potentially financially benefit from their demise? I'm sure there are quite a few. Is it possible that some of these deaths are simply drug use or simply gang violence? Absolutely. Now, what about the uh, industry meeting that you uh, came across on the internet? You want to tell people about that? Yeah, it's a, it's a famous essay where this guy, he was involved with the music industry and he goes to this secret meeting where they're discussing how hip hop will be used to promote criminality and that the guys at this meeting are involved with the private prison industry. The idea being to promote criminality, to get these guys in jail, to have them do slave labor. It makes perfect sense. Now, this was an, an anonymously written essay, but it is fairly famous. So I sensationalized it quite a bit and used it in the book where these millennial group of friends who are hip-hop fans, they come across this essay and they have reactions towards it, where some are so deep into the hypnosis they don't even care, where other characters read this essay and they think to themselves, oh my God, that makes complete sense. The relatable characters within a fictional, hilarious narrative is probably the best method to save the youth from hip-hop hypnosis. I was born in 1990, 
the young men and young women that are younger than me, they don't know anything other than hip hop music. And you guys have described how you can barely listen to it. The youth of America is listening to this stuff nonstop. It's absurd. And I think that humor is our best weapon uh, in this multi-generational tragedy. And I am extraordinarily hopeful for the future. Onwards to a better future for our children.